I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours. We're a music podcast that chats to artists, musicians and creatives on their songwriting craft and upcoming projects. I'm your host Simon Fink and welcome to episode 249. Our guest today is the frontman from Brisbane Outfit Cup Sport. It is Tim Nelson. The band released their beautiful new record, Jesus at the Gay Bar, at the end of last week and it's another incredible step forward for the band sonically and lyrically. Before we get into today's episode, please make sure you go and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your pods from. Some of our guests for March included Gracie Abrams, City and Colour, Pale Waves and more. We've got an incredible lineup booked in for April as well, so please make sure you go and subscribe so that you can stay up to date with all our guests. The same goes for our other socials. We recently released a brand new video on our YouTube series with friend of the pod, Charlie. She very kindly picked out some records for us. So go watch that video and subscribe to our YouTube, our Instagram and our TikTok. All of those links can be found in the show notes of today's episode. Our guest today is Cub Sport. The Brisbane four-piece truly embody growth and progression in a band. From their indie pop beginnings over 10 years ago now, their sonics and sounds have continued to shift with every record and grow and evolve, and that is no different with this gorgeous fifth record, Jesus at the Gay Bar. Although they've previously flirted with electronic music, this new record sees them dive in headfirst into what I can only describe as emotional dance music that is in the same vein as someone like Jamie XX or even possibly... Uh, an Australian version of Fred again, if you will, while still very much sounding like Cub Sport. It is the kind of dance and electronic music that you can have an emotional resonance with. And as, as I mentioned, it still very much still retains all the qualities you'd expect from a Cub Sport album. They released the record last week and we were very lucky enough to have a chat with frontman Tim Nelson in regards to the record. Uh, In this episode today, we chat about the poem that inspired the title for this new record and how Tim lyrically revisited his past to reframe and process some previous experiences. Um, We have a chat about the songwriting process within the band and how sonic evolution is important to Tim and the rest of Cubsport. I also could not miss an opportunity to discuss one of my favourite Australian songwriters, Mr. Darren Hayes, and the experience that Cubsport had recording a song with him. We've included all of the links of where you can buy and stream Jesus at the Gay Bar uh, and where you can catch Cubsport on tour in the episode show notes. And we also do want to give a massive shout out to Amy from the Oriole Co. for her help with today's episode. Here is our conversation with Tim Nelson from Cubsport. So gone and I'm fine with that Shake my head now it's just growing back Broke up with my girlfriend 
Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Tim Nelson from Cub Sport. Tim, hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you today? I'm good. Yeah, feeling feeling excited about everything happening at the moment. How are you? I'm I'm very well, thank you, and thank you for asking. And I'm I'm excited for you for everything that is happening at the moment. Um, and I do want to to touch uh, touch on that in a second. I want to get to everything that's kind of happening within the cup sport world uh, in a second. Uh, this is the the very first time that we've had the opportunity to speak. So thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I wanted to if I'm allowed to, kind of touch on um, something that's a little bit of old news before we get to the new record, uh, if you'll allow me. It might be that uh, as a young man growing up in the late 90s, my first ever record that was bought was a lovely self-titled record from a young Brisbane band called Savage Garden. So I do have to ask, before we get to the new stuff, what was it like working with Darren Hayes just to kick off our conversation? It was amazing. Like, yeah, completely surreal. I remember like reaching out to him and, um, yeah, sending across the song. I never cried so much in my whole life and just seeing if he might want to record a feature on it. And yeah, he replied straight away saying that the song like made him cry and that, um, he would love to be on it basically. And yeah, we were on tour in Europe um, when we received like his vocals um, for the song. And it was the day that we were like driving into Paris. And I remember just being like, how is this even real? Like (laughs) we're playing a show in Paris. It's like one of my favorite places in the world. And like driving in, listening to a Cub Sports song featuring Darren Hayes, it was yeah, just wild. <laughs> I love that. I love that story. And I can, um, I think, well, I've got like, uh, my hairs are standing up on, on, on my arm just to kind of hearing that. I love that. Um, the reason why we are chatting today is for a brand new Cubsport album. It is out right now as, uh, as we speak. Jesus at the Gay Bar. Firstly, congratulations on this record. It is a beautiful, beautiful record. Thank you so much. Of course, I am curious. I would say that this is maybe your most clubby record out of the Cubsport back catalogue, if you will. How are you guys feeling? Is there nerves when it comes to releasing music each time that you put out an album? I think it's always a little bit nerve-wracking, yeah, especially because with each album we try to, like, push forward into new sonic territory and so um i guess that that can be a little bit nerve-wracking in itself just like un uncharted territory um but yeah i feel i really just feel excited and so ready to like have it out in the world and to get to um kind of like share this new energy with the fans I can very much appreciate that. It is, uh, as you mentioned, it is like a sonic evolution. And I think that one of the best things that Cub Sport does is continue to evolve over releases um, and um, not even necessarily push an envelope further, but I think it is, is that you have never kind of stayed stagnant or true to just one sound. You're continuing to build that, I guess, sonic adventure that the band is going on 
when you sit down before the release of any album, and I imagine it might have been the same with this one, is there a discussion of which direction or how far you'll take that evolution or is it just something that you find yourselves doing as the process goes along? Um, it's pretty intuitive. It, it isn't really something um, where we'll like sit down and be like, where should we take it next? It's kind of just um, following a feeling and kind of like just creating for the sake of creating and seeing like what feels exciting and following that. I did have a pretty clear vision, not necessarily on how I wanted the album to sound, but how I wanted it to make me feel. And I wanted this album to have to have like a, a lightness to it. And like, I, I didn't want to shy away from the depth of emotion that I think has kind of been the connecting thread through the whole Cub Sport discography. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted, I wanted to bring in like a, a fresh energy and create something um, like uplifting and energetic. I think I think I was thinking a lot about the live show um, because I wrote pretty much all of this during the pandemic and I was missing like touring and playing shows so much. And so I I think I was just trying to imagine like how, how how did I want our return to the live stage to feel and what did I want that experience to be for fans? And, And I wanted there to be like, an element of like fun and lightness and energy and like something that people could like dance to together and that sort of thing. So that was like, that was the vision. But then it took me a couple of years of like writing like so many different kind of like styles of music and so many different songs kind of like within the electronic pop sphere. Um, But then like finding the right ones to like fit together to, to create like a cohesive album that still takes the listener like on a journey. But this time I wanted it to be like succinct. Like I had this idea that I wanted it to be 10 tracks and to, to try and like achieve what I wanted to just like within 10 songs. So, um, yeah, I think compared to other albums, I did have like more of a, more of a plan for this one, but it wasn't, it wasn't fully like cemented. It was kind of just like I had the 10 track idea and I knew what I wanted it to feel like. And then the rest was just like following my intuition together. Mm -hmm. I love that. I, you kind of almost touched on what, what I wanted to bring up was that the, I guess does the songwriting method change when you are trying to develop a new sound or make that sound uniquely yours because I imagine that you're possibly doing a little bit of trial and error in terms of like, as you said, making these songs still fit within the through line of Cub Sport and your discography, but also trying to to take that next step forward. Yeah. I think, um, I think collaboration was really important on this one for, for bringing it to life in like, the the way that it needed to kind of like come to be um for for our last album like nirvana it was kind of like um more contemplative and 
kind of like more experimental. Like I've seen some reviews refer to it as like an ambient rock album. And I was like, wow, like I guess parts of it kind of are. (laughs) I feel like that kind of thing is like very in my wheelhouse, like production wise. But for how I wanted this album to feel and for like the grandeur of the production that I was like being drawn to, I definitely needed to like link up with people who have like mastered like that style or whatever. Um, So working with Max Byrne, who is from Golden Vessel and he has a new project, One Tablespoon, which is incredible. um, That was like, that was a really good thing for kind of like getting that energy right. And we wrote the song High for the Summer together and that was at the end of 2020. So that was like kind of early days in the the album coming together, but it felt like one of the first steps in like the right direction. Um, and then I ended up working with Simon Lamb and Styles Fuego, both um, amazing producers in Melbourne. And that was kind of when I feel like the the main like body of the album started to come together and I was starting to kind of like see the vision um like forming basically Mm -hmm. I love that I this record is as I've mentioned and I'll I'll probably mention it a few more times as we continue to talk I think it is um it's it is gorgeous in a number of senses uh sonically there are still very dancey tracks house inspired tracks that nothing that kind of and um I think it is still your most dancey record, but nothing that is not outside of the wheelhouse of your sound and, and of the band, if, if, if that kind of makes sense. I know that um, lyrically it's gorgeous as well, but I, I feel we've been talking about evolution and, and if you'll allow me to talk about it, and please let me know if not, um, I know that for this record, I think lyrically what inspired a, a large portion of it was kind of, revisiting the past and and not changing the perspective but I guess reevaluating um the past and kind of looking at that if if I'm correct yeah it totally was and again it wasn't something that I like necessarily planned on doing it was kind of just the inspiration that came to me um two of the songs that I feel are like really like revisiting the very start of my relationship with Sam, uh, keep me safe and zoom. Um, so I, I wrote and recorded zoom here in the home studio just by myself. And, um, I just, yeah, kind of found myself like, yeah, being like drawn back to like these very early moments of me and Sam. And I think I kind of, felt like I was at a place where I could fully talk about it and like shine a light on it and celebrate it. Cause at the time I was still very much coming to terms with being gay and I had like a lot of shame and fear around the whole thing. So even though I was like falling in love and it was like the best thing that had ever happened to me and it was like, so like it just felt so perfect it was um it wasn't something that I could like share with other people 
so now like being much more secure in who I am and feeling like I can like talk about that time. And I know that like my, my family like love me and support me. It's like all the, all the risk is kind of like gone. And now I can just like go back and celebrate it for what it was and kind of like validate my younger self's experience and yeah, it was the same with Keep Me Safe. I wrote that one with Styles Fuego in Melbourne and he started playing those like intro chords on that synth sound and there was something just like so nostalgic about it and it like completely took me back again to like being 17, like in this secret relationship with Sam and um the the lyrics kind of just like came through and I found that I was able to like express and share details of that time that I don't think I'd ever really felt ready to share before. And then sonically, like keep me safe. I think the chorus is just so like heavenly and euphoric and has like this like feeling of like a rush to it or something to me. And I think that that like fully sums up like what, what falling in love and like um, being with like the person that you're like obsessed with feels like. So, yeah. 100%. I firstly, thank you very much for sharing that because I do appreciate it. Um, and I, I do love, I think keep me safe was one of my favorite tracks on the record. There's another one I want to bring up in a little bit um, as well. I know that maybe sometimes this word is overused in music press and music journalism. So I apologize uh, ahead of the question, but I imagine with something like that, it must be somewhat cathartic to be able to revisit and process it in a, in a whole new light and then put it out there. And as you said, have it be accepted. So in such a positive way. Yeah, totally. It is like a, a big release. I had moments with like both zoom and keep me safe like after they were written, I feel like sometimes just like out of the blue, I'll be listening to a song that I've had for like days or weeks or months. And suddenly I like hear it with a fresh perspective. And I had that, yeah, I had that moment with Zoom and Keep Me Safe where I just like suddenly had like the full, the full perspective of like, that I'm still like that same person who like went through all of that turmoil or whatever and that it all worked out. And now I'm like sharing the thing that I was like most scared to share. And and now I'm like proud to tell people about it. And yeah, I like, I've like cried to both of those songs, like kind of having this moment of being like, like just, I can't believe like how far we've come basically. I do love that. That's, um, I just love the sentiment there. So, um, yeah, I think that's really special. <laughs> um, Thank you. Tim, uh, with the, the, the name of the record, it is Jesus at the Gay Bar. And it, uh, from my understanding, and I apologize preemptively if I'm mispronouncing the gentleman's name, Jay, I'm going to say Holm. Yeah, that's how I've been saying it as well. I'm, I actually should really check in on the <laughs> correct pronunciation. Look, I will, I will take that bullet if one of us has to mispronounce it and then we'll, we'll wait till we hear from him. Um, it is a gorgeous poem from his 2021 book and the, the, the poem itself kind of 
reframes um, Jesus in a much more understanding and um, I want to say inclusive kind of figure. Um, And I know that it resonated with yourself in terms of what we've just been talking about. It might be a little bit of a stretch, but are you hoping that this kind of uh, oh, like, sorry, not this kind of album, that this album has the same kind of effect or can be a similar kind of beacon for younger people of the queer community who are looking f- for, I guess, images and, and media where it shows that there is acceptance and that I, I guess, I'm not sure if I've articulated that properly, but I'm, I'm yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I definitely hope that Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Sharing my experience and the the journey that I've been on with like coming to terms with being queer and, um, and like getting to a point where like, I'm actually like so happy that I'm gay and that I am like genuinely proud of it. Um, when for like my whole life, like since I first started to realize that I was attracted to guys, um, it was something that I was just like, why me? And I, I literally like prayed every day for years that God would heal me of being gay and that I would just like wake up straight the next day or whatever. So the, the poem that depicts Jesus as like saying to this gay boy, there's nothing in your heart that needs to be healed, like really resonated in a big way. And um, even though I'm like not religious anymore, it's like, I feel like it's always going to be a part of me because it was like my whole upbringing and it's something that is like so deeply in my subconscious that I think it's going to be like with me forever. So I was still just like so affected by this like new, um, like Jesus being presented in this completely different way. Um, but yeah, I, I really hope that that queer people can find like, some comfort and like inspiration in the lyrics and um kind of in like the whole journey 100% it is as i said before it is a gorgeous record in terms of the songwriting i know you said there was a few collaborators on this record do you remember your first interaction or your first introduction to songwriting and how you kind of found it a place um, for yourself to be able to express what was going on in your mind or going on in your life? Yeah. Um, I 
I first started writing songs, I would write like joke songs um, at the <laughs> end of middle school. Like I started singing in front of people when I was like 14. Um, I sang um, at this talent quest and then with like two of my friends and then we won it. And then I just suddenly had like so much confidence in singing and like <laughs> always wanted to sing. Um, and yeah, I have memories of like being in the music room at school um, on lunch breaks, just like playing these like weird, funny songs. And I feel like I always relied on like a little bit of humor and double meaning with my songwriting kind of through until it was until I wrote come on mess me up. And that was inspired by, um, Chelsea Hotel number two by Leonard Cohen. Because mm-hmm. it was, I kind of came across that song when Lana Del Rey covered it in like 2013, I think. My dad is like a massive Leonard Cohen fan. And um, I grew up with him like playing Leonard Cohen in the car, but I don't think I ever really got it because I loved like pop music and like pretty vocals and stuff. <laughs> and I don't think I, yeah. I was just like not aware of like the magic of Leonard Cohen yet. But then when Lana covered that song, I like finally paid attention to the lyrics and there's the line, um, giving me head on the unmade bed while the limousines wait in the street. And I remember thinking like, Whoa, I cannot imagine like being so revealing in songwriting or like giving that detail and like something that like, I don't know, like your, your family are going to like hear that or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but it really like hit me. I was like, Oh, like why, why am I like hiding in my songwriting? And, um, so the next day I think I had like a day off from work and I was at my friend's place. I think we were like house sitting while her parents were away. So I was kind of staying there and they had a piano and I just sat down and started writing, come on, mess me up. And I think that was the first time that I really like gave in to like, um, kind of like writing in like a, a beautiful poetic way and like really sharing true emotion rather than feeling like I had to have, if someone asked me what a song was about, I had to have this like funny double meaning, like something that I could like tell my parents to like feel comfortable with them, like realizing, I don't know, hearing what I'm writing or whatever. Um, but yeah, writing come on mess me up. And then finally like finishing it and putting out our debut album in 2016 and releasing it as a single and seeing the way that people connected, I think because it was so like pure and genuine and I wasn't like hiding. I was like, okay, like this is like, this feels good. Like sharing a true part of myself. And I think that that was kind of the, the turning point and, and the, the place I got to where I really started like genuinely expressing myself in writing And then it was like this big knock-on effect where while we were promoting This Is Our Vice, our first album, I was just like writing writing and recording 
demos. I like didn't know what the plan was going to be for after this is our vice, but that was um, at the point when Sam and I weren't together. We had been together and then like we decided to like end things to just be friends to like make our lives easier basically. And then this would have been like, I think like six or seven years into us, like trying not to be together, but being in love. And suddenly I was like truly expressing myself in the songs that I was writing. And I was writing songs like Chasen. um, And there were some other songs that didn't end up coming out, but they pretty explicitly explained like where I was at and how I was feeling like in the, in the situation that Sam and I were in. And I was like playing him these demos just to be like, here's a new song that I wrote. Like, what do you think of the song? But he was like taking in the lyrics and like figuring out basically that I was like (laughs) still in love with him. And then like fast forward to like a year later and we finally have the conversation of like that we're in love and get together and then like come out and then another year later we're engaged and then another year later we're married and the songs kind of like follow that whole journey. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I feel like I just went off on a massive tangent. <laughs> but, um, that's kind of like what started to happen in my life. Like when I, when I allowed true expression to come through in songwriting. Um, firstly, please, I do not apologize for, for any form of tangent. I think that almost ties back into what we were talking about at the start in terms of like, um, ev- like the evolution of the music. It, it seems that the songwriting from yourself started out as something that not that you didn't take seriously, but that was maybe not, yeah, a true reflection of yourself. And then after that um, Lana slash Leonard Cohen interaction that it kind of had, as you mentioned, a domino effect that you can now track throughout the, the band's discography. Yeah, totally. I love that. I now think that myself and possibly anyone else who's listening to this podcast might be going back to revisit the discography and maybe listening with fresh ears or at least viewing it with a, with a different perspective now. Yeah. It's, I feel like, yeah, I should probably go back and listen to the albums too. Cause I, every now and then someone will be like, they'll like pull out this connection between like a song on like bats and then like a song on like, like Nirvana or like one of the albums that came year years later. Um, and I guess because it's all like this, just like however I was feeling in the moment and like this like pretty authentic expression, it all kind of like connects and um, links up in ways that I don't think I could have planned if I wasn't just sort of like drawing on this same like consistent feeling or something. 100%. It is... um yeah, I think anyone listening, please go revisit the discography. I'll be doing that myself after this interview. Um, one of the other, one of my other favorite tracks, sorry, on this record, I wanted to touch on very quickly was um, "Yaya," which features the lovely um, Mole Rat, uh, another great Australian artist. For those who aren't aware of Mole Rat, but I think that's 
bit silly to say at this point. Um, how did that uh, come about? How did that collaboration come about? Um, so Mora or Grace is one of my best friends and um, we always like send each other new music as we're working on it. And she has featured on, this will be like her th- her um, third album in a row, like third Cubs Boy album in a row that has a more rap feature. It's like almost like um, we won't release an album now unless more rats on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, we just, I was in Melbourne um, with um, studio days scheduled with Simon Lamb and Grace lives in Melbourne at the moment. And so I was like, you should come along to one of the days and we'll all write together. And yeah, that was how Yaya came to be. I think Grace um, Grace played in like the verse chords and um, and then I kind of just, I think I wrote like one verse or something on the first day and then later that night or the next day or something I was listening to like the rough demo that we had and kind of like all, I just had like so many verses of lyrics come to me so the next day I just like recorded them all in and we're like, we'll figure out like the structure and stuff later. Um, and yeah, Grace did like a, a vocal freestyle, basically just like singing whatever into a mic and then went through and like chopped it up into like all these little bits and then kind of like played it, like played these resampled chops of her vocals back in to build that kind of like chorus riff that um that you hear in the song and it was just so cool like she's so creative and such a talented writer um and producer so it was really cool to like see her work like that and then yeah I like got on the mic and just sang harmonies like over this like chopped up vocal of grace and it just sounded so like unique and fresh. Um, and that was kind of like the choruses were just that part for like a couple of weeks. And it kind of felt like it felt really cool, but it did feel like it was missing something. Um, and then Zoe recorded in the, "Mm, I'll always love you line, like into the choruses and, Um, when she sent over a demo of that, I just like had goosebumps and (laughs) it felt like it pulled together the whole song. And I think for me, like it gave the verses this, like it kind of like tied those together and gave the song like another, like really special layer of context. And then yeah, Grace recorded extra harmonies, like doubling um, Zoe's vocals and, and then later on I recorded some harmonies too and I just love like where it ended up. It was like there were so many different versions and, um, yeah, it ended up in such a beautiful place and it's one of my favourite ones on the album too. I think it's like Keep Me Safe and Yaya ya are like my two favourites I think. You and I might have very similar tastes then, because <laughs> those are the two that that um yeah that jumped out to me the most. Um, Tim, I know that we've only got limited time. I do very quickly want to ask. I know 
you're about to, I think there's some shows in Europe and then you're in tour, on tour, sorry, in the US um, for the next few months. Can we expect uh, a full headline tour or some shows in Australia in support of the record? Yes. I think when this, when the podcast comes out, we will have announced an Australian <laughs> tour. Um, so let me, let me tell you the dates. Ooh. We are starting in Adelaide at um, the Hindley, Hindley Street Music Hall on August 18, then Perth on August 19 at the Astor Theatre, Sydney on August 24 at the Enmore, Cairns on August 31 at Tanks. It'll be our first time playing in Cairns, so I'm so excited for that. <laughs> um, Brisbane on September 2 at the Fortitude Music Hall and finishing in Melbourne on September 8 at the Forum. That is very exciting and um Again, it will be out by the time this comes out, but it's still exciting nonetheless to hear it ahead of time for myself and that's my own little personal enjoyment. <laughs> um, Yay. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and congratulations on Jesus at the Gay Bar. It is out now. Um, thank you. for Yeah, thank you for coming on the pod. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.